In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is April 4th, and on Saturday, Atlanta United defeated D.C. United 1-0, giving me yet another chance to rewrite a story on deadline because Marcelino Moreno scored in the fourth minute of stoppage time. It is the third consecutive game that Atlanta United scored in stoppage time, and they have taken seven points from those three games. There was, of course, the goal against Charlotte to win. There was the goal against Montreal to tie. And there was Saturday's goal at Audi Field to win and clinch all three points. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Before we get into my thoughts on the game, though, we've got a little bit of breaking news this morning. At 11 a.m., Atlanta United announced a new event it is going to host on an annual basis. It is the American Family Insurance Cup. The first edition is going to be played June 14th at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and the team is going to play Liga Emeki's power, Pachuca. Now, Pachuca is not going to be the opponent every year. Pachuca was selected this year to kind of help the team start to get ready for next year's League's Cup, which is going to be a tournament featuring MLS and all the teams from Liga Emeki's. But it should be a really fun event. And because Pachuca is a, a powerful team in Mexico, six-time Liga Emeki's champ, five-time CONCACAF champ, Anyway, if you'll search my Twitter timeline or if you go to AJC.com, you'll see my story about this event. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, frankly. Uh, I, I love it when uh, Liga and Mickey's teams come to Atlanta because they bring a fun, festive atmosphere. They bring a passion. Uh, it's going to be a really, really good time, I think. So anyway, I hope you'll go and try to find that story. Again, my Twitter feed is Doug Robertson AJC. You can find it on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And let's start talking about Saturday's game. It was it was a slugfest, and I hate using that word because it's such a cliche, but that's how DC United wants you to play. They want to turn the game into one-on-one battles. They want to win second balls. They want to get the ball and get forward and try to score as quickly as possible. And Atlanta United struggled, uh, I thought, for most of the first half against that. They, they couldn't get anything going on the wings. They couldn't get anything going up the middle. It was a very, very difficult game for the five stripes. Additionally, they lost Mateus Uzetu, who had probably the best scoring opportunity at the very, very end of the first half to what is likely a hamstring injury. We're still waiting word on that. And then in the second half, Ozzy Alonso had to leave after a collision. But within those two injuries came a little bit of good fortune because Santiago Sosa was able to get on the field. 
Franco Albara was able to get on the field, and D.C. started to run out of gas, and Atlanta United started to kind of take control, created a couple of good scoring opportunities, until finally it looked like the teams were pretty content to split points. 1-1 after a hard-fought game, and then came the corner kick. Brooks Lennon sent it into the middle. Marcelino Moreno, after wrestling with his defender, got the space to put a header in. The header took a deflection off a D.C. United player and kind of rolled harmlessly into the corner of the goal. I think everybody was a little bit stunned at what they were watching because there was kind of a moment of, of quiet. And then Marcelino Moreno ran to the corner, lifted up his shirt with the message, uh, gracias Dios, on it. And Atlanta United took all three points. The final stats, uh, Atlanta United 57.2% of the possession, and that was 50-50 at halftime to show you how much Atlanta United dominated the ball. Atlanta had 14 shots, three on goal. The D.C.'s 10-2, and two, uh, kind of moving down probably to the biggest stat that matters. Expected goals, this is one Pineda puts a lot, uh, Gonzalo Pineda, Atlanta United's manager, puts a lot of weight on. Atlanta United finished with a 1, and D.C. finished with a 0.5. It was Atlanta United's first shutout this year. Uh, I thought the defense played really well. D.C. created a couple of decent scoring chances at the beginning of the game. Um or in the first half, but Atlanta United was able to hold them off. So here's Gonzalo Pineda talking about the team earning seven points uh, with goals and stoppage time from the past three games. I think it says a lot. It says uh, about a team that doesn't give up. That uh, last year, I remember, we gave up a lot of points at the end of the, of the games, and now we're doing completely the opposite. And that, for me, is a massive achievement because it's not, it's, it's not something that, comes on, on its own. It's something that is worked by the players, by training very hard till the end of the training session. They have to be with full concentration and fighting and competing. And I think sometimes these things happen, like we are scoring those type of goals uh, at the end of the game and make me happy because, uh, I mean, those are nice, nice three points achieved at the end of the game. Yet last year, uh, Atlanta United gave up 13 points from a winning or drawing position after the 75th minute of games. That's a massive, massive problem the team had. So here's Brad Guzan talking about the team fighting back to survive a match like that and getting all three points. One of the last things we said before we left the locker room before the game is you, you got to earn the right to play in these types of games where it's, it's, it's competitive, it's fast, it's you know, the field was was hard and, and wet, and so the, the ball's flying around. Um, you need to earn the right to, to be able to play. You don't just get to show up and say, well, I'm a, I'm a number 10, and, and I play with a little bit extra flair, so I don't have to tackle, I don't have to fight. And, I mean, to be fair, right, you, you look at the amount of fouls on Marcelino, on Tiago, at any point, they're, they're midfielders, probably could have earned a second yellow. Um, but... Uh, you know, I think that's a credit to, to our guys, you know, in terms of rolling our sleeves up, getting after it. I mean, you look at, you know, Rosetto obviously has to come off at halftime. You look at Ozzy, he's got to come off in the second half. You look at Joseph, he's got to come off in, in the second half. Um, Andrew Gutman, he's, he's fighting through battle wounds and, and, you know, getting after Julian and, and, and taking away a major threat of theirs. Um, so, yes, it, it wasn't the cleanest with us on the ball, but there's other areas then where maybe in years past we didn't have those areas where we'd be able to roll our sleeves up and, and, and 
join a dogfight and, and come out on top. And, and tonight we did that. So Guzan later in his comments was full of praise from Marcelino Moreno and Diego Almada. Uh, this was Diego Almada's first start for Atlanta United. It was the first time Marcelino Moreno went 90 minutes. I thought Moreno struggled in the first half. I thought he struggled through parts of the game, but Guzan praised Moreno for his constant work rate in the channels to keep DC United's defense pushed back to threaten DC United's DC United's defenders when he could get the ball and get forward. The same for Almada. Almada had a couple of really nice passes in the game. As the two kind of get to know each other and learn each other, specifically because they're interchanging positions a lot between attacking midfielder and left left wing, you'll see more and more from them, I think. Um, it, it was a really good performance. I thought that George Campbell played really, really well for Atlanta United, too. He had one major, well, two major mistakes. Neither were punished. One was he failed to clear a ball at the beginning of the first half, but there were two other teammates who also failed to clear it. And then at one point in the first half, he just kind of spun and hit a blind pass, attempted to hit it back to Brad Guzan and put it out for a corner kick. So Atlanta United was a bit fortunate that DC was not able to take advantage of that. But I thought Campbell had a really, really nice game with the ball, on the ball. He's so comfortable with the ball. Guzan talked about that afterwards too. George's ability to, to track because he talked about DC United was trying to put man-on-man action when it had the ball to force Alonzo to focus on a player, to force Gutman to focus on a player, to force Alan Franco to focus on a center forward. And then they would bring the other center forward kind of across the formation, and Campbell would have to try to track him coming toward the ball. And he talked about what a good job that Campbell did there. I think Campbell's got a really bright future. If I were a European team, I would be inquiring of Atlanta United if they could buy Campbell. But we'll see what happens there. So here's Marcelino Moreno talking about his goal through the team's interpreter. I just knew that the, the ball could get there. Um, and, you know, Brooks is really good at delivering those balls into the box. So I just um, I had a feeling that, that it might get there and, and I was able to head it in. I did ask Moreno if he was worried about VAR uh, ruling that he pushed off his defender. But he said, no, uh, that stuff happens on corner kicks all the time. Really, the only reason I brought it up is because the referee uh, on Saturday was very, very strict, even to the point of making the players move free kicks a couple of yards either way from where the foul was to where they put the ball. Same for throw-ins. So I was a little bit surprised <clears throat> that he didn't go to the monitor. I know all goals are reviewed, uh, but there you go. So now Atlanta United continues. It's going to go to Charlotte. Uh, to play on Sunday. Uh, it'll be my first time there uh, because it's their first game there. And then they come home and host Cincinnati, which got beat 4-3 to three last weekend, goes to Miami, which is like 13 goals, uh, then to Montreal in what will be a tough game, then home against Chicago, tough game, home against New England, tough game, at Nashville, tough game. So they get a few easy ones to try to secure some more points, and then the schedule starts to get tough again. So, I think that's probably enough about Saturday's game. We're going to go into a mailbag here in a minute. I want to remind y'all I'm Doug Robertson. My Twitter is at Doug Robertson AJC. You can find me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. You can find me on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. We're going to go to a break. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. 
Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. All right, we're back. And I want to remind y'all that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. If you subscribe today, you will not only get unlimited digital access to the AJC and the Sunday paper for $2.30 a week, and the digital access also includes a brand new sports section that I think is really cool. It covers a lot of stuff, both locally and nationally. It's kind of a tabloid formatted thing. It's a really easy read, a lot of bite-sized chunks of information. Um, it's something to look at if I were you. But we're also going to throw in a special limited edition Atlanta United and Atlanta Journal-Constitution scarf. So sign up now at subscribe.ajc.com slash scarf. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash scarf. And now let's get into the mailbag. These are in no particular order. But Chance says, was that not the most awkward goal you've ever seen? He's talking about Marino's. The odd deflections and reactions of the defenders and keeper, along with the slow pace and weird trajectory of the ball, makes for a puzzling goal. I mean, I'm not complaining, but I've seen the replay several times now, and I can't figure out how what happened happened. It was really weird, right? Uh, just the ball just seemed to just kind of casually walk its way into the goal like it was walking down the mall at Washington or looking at the cherry trees or, or doing whatever people do in D.C., uh, before it rolled into the goal and everyone just kind of stood there almost stunned as to what was going on as it rolled in. It was really, really bizarre. Adam says, Atlanta United's players seem to pass up a lot of easy passes tonight, often leading to unnecessary turnovers. I thought Pineda was expecting more one-touch play from the side. Yeah, I think he is. Um, but again, DC United put a lot of pressure on the ball. And so a lot of times maybe the guys had just a sudden moment of panic or just didn't really have time to look up and find that easy pass. It's what DC wants to do. It's what they're kind of good at, even though the results aren't there. So there. <laughs> and Adam continues, despite some rough play by Campbell, I felt the defense as a whole played solid. Franco looked sharper and the midfield did well recovering. How much of what was intended performance versus the caliber of tonight's opponent? I thought Alan Franco played well. He had one moment in the second half, and I don't know what he was doing. Uh, a player went down the left wing, and Franco kind of saddled up beside him and tried to make a tackle where he kind of stuck his left foot forward and then his heel backward like he was trying to backheel the ball and just failed miserably. And the guy had a one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, but Guzan saved the shot. But Franco's got to eliminate those just bizarre moments that seem to hurt his performance in every game. I do want to uh, also talk about Sosa and Ibarra because um, Pineda also talked about them after the game. He said he thought they really brought some toughness into the midfield. Uh, Brad Guzan talked about when Sosa came on within like the first 30 seconds, he put a crunching tackle on a DC United player almost to say, okay, if you want to play rough, if you want to play, if you want to make tackles, I'll match you. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you don't see them start at Charlotte on Saturday. A lot just depends upon fitness. Sosa said he could go 90. I don't know about Abada yet. Um, I was a little bit surprised he was in the game day roster. So we'll see. <clears throat> Nick says, what does Atlanta United need 
to meet the roster's potential with actual play. What's the missing ingredient? We cycle through coaches, we have top talent, we have a faithful following, yet we can't seem to deliver a decent, consistent level of play. Are we out of excuses yet? And thanks for all your hard work. It's great to have such a dedicated expert reporting on the team. Well, that's very kind of you, Nick. It is a little bit puzzling. I agree with you. This team has all the talent, but it just it can't seem to find that fourth gear, that fifth gear. Pineda will never criticize the team, but we hear him talking about the final third. We just can't seem to get it right in the final third. That's what he's talking about. I think part of the problem in the first half against DC United was though Almada and Moreno were both trying to play as attacking midfielders at times, the team really had no attacking midfielder. Part of that is how DC United system works. They had as many as four guys in the middle of the field clogging it up, taking away passing lanes, taking away attacking lanes. So that made it hard. We'll see what Charlotte does on Saturday. Um, but that is a big, big hole in the formation right now that Pineda has got to get fixed. Not having Arahujo hurts because he's such a good player. He, he could beat people one-on-one. -on -one. And then we're going to get into the final reason here in a second uh, with uh, what's going to be the final question in the mailbag. Christian says, Sosa and Abara look good against DC. Do you think our increasingly healthy group of midfielders would help with getting better in the final third? I do, but there has to be some consistency in the lineup. The guys have to get used to playing together. They have to be able to build chemistry, to build confidence. Once you build confidence, you start to play faster. Once you play faster, it makes it that much easier. Now here's our final question, and this goes into, I think, a lot of the problems that the team may be having right now. I don't think it is the problem, just a contributing factor. Alex says, Is it time to start worrying about Joseph? I thought he needed an offseason to finish healing and to get fit after his knee ordeal, but he's begun this season as a slower, more tentative version of himself. Matt Doyle's column on MLSsoccer.com had some data to corroborate this. When do we worry that our DP striker is no longer DP quality? So you could argue that Joseph has had one really solid game this year. Um, he, he was mostly ineffective on Saturday. He may have been fatigued. He did have to go to South America to play with Venezuela. He did have to travel back. That can take a lot out of a player. But he really hasn't consistently looked like he once did. The stats that Alex references from Matt Doyle are runs into the box. Uh, I think he's last among uh, starting strikers in the league. That is not good. He's got to make those runs to reach the crosses. He seems to be, I, I was noticing this on Saturday, when the wingbacks or the midfielders get the ball out wide, instead of attacking the goal, Joseph seems to be hanging out near the top of the box like he's waiting on that cutback cross. Now, I don't know if that's the tactics that Pineda wants. I don't know if that's what he's asking Joseph to do or if Joseph is trying to read the situation or this is what he's told the, the wingbacks or, or wide midfielders what he wants. But he's not making hard runs into the box. If you watched the LA Galaxy game against Portland on Sunday and you watched Javier Hernandez's first goal, he made a run toward the near post, which took the center back that way, and then he quickly cut back to the back post. Cross came in. He got a foot on it, goal. Those are the runs that Joseph is not making right now, and those are the runs that, in my opinion, he needs to make. He's got to make defenders wonder where he is, work to mark him, and he's not doing that. And I don't know if that's his knee. I don't know if that's just frustration of, of not being able to get on crosses. I don't know what the reason is, but in my opinion, he's got to start doing that. 
where Pineda may have to make a hard choice. I thought Conway played well when he came in. He was a handful for those center backs. He was trying to win aerial battles. He was wrestling with them. You Sometimes Joseph wouldn't even jump for aerial battles against D.C. on Saturday, and he may be protecting the knee, and Pineda may be fine with that. Maybe Pineda needs to think about a two-forward system right now. Because right now, at striker and attacking midfielder, Atlanta United is not threatening defenses as often as they once did, and it's got to change. All right, we're going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Thank you for listening. Hug your loved ones. Communicate with your loved ones. Please follow all the other content providers of Major League Soccer and Atlanta United. They work hard. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Y'all take care.